you're listening to the Commercial Finance Podcast by Lee Chandler, where we discuss industry insights, tips about lending, capital finance, business acquisitions, the worst investment you can have is cash, real estate acquisitions, your financial advice depends on who you are, and everything in between. This is the Commercial Finance Podcast. Hey guys, welcome for, for joining the podcast. Today we have an amazing guest speaker with you, with you all. Her name is Alexis Sutton. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you all? It's great. It's a pleasure to have you today. And this is important for anyone who wants to have more insight on real estate um, and also what's going on in today's market and really what they should do going forward. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So Alexis, first and foremost, what led you to uh, be a part of the real estate market? Um, honestly, I do things on a whim. So I already know, because I do like a lot of studying and stuff like that. The people that are rich, they got rich off of real estate. So I knew I was going to be a part of it either way. And me getting my license was just like, one day I was just sitting there like, why not? And then I, lived, I was in Barnes and Noble, I was like, why not? And I found the class and I signed up for it two weeks later I was in class. So it wasn't a long, drawn, thought out process. It was a random moment. So Wow. Yeah. Did, did you have to go multiple day, um, multiple times to take, take the test? Uh, no. Uh, actually, so here's how I work here in North Carolina. So you have to take at least um, 90 hours. I could be wrong, 70. However, we took more than what we were supposed to. But you take these classes and you have to have those. That's pretty much as prereq to take your exam. Um, but with me, I went to Superior School of Real Estate. Um, and my teacher was Bruce Moria. He's amazing. I feel like everyone knows him here in this market. But um you had to take those classes and um, you had to pass the school test. Now this was before COVID came. So um, you had to pass that school test. That school test was hard. So that's where people trip up on. Well, that's where they were tripping up on. They had to pass that school test in order to get the credits for the hours that you took. So that I took, I passed it on the first try. Um, a lot of people I know, majority of people I know did not pass on the first one. They had to retake the class over. So yeah. um I really wasn't worried about the state and the national test. I was worried about the school test because they did not play. But when COVID came, they were doing it. So you take the hours, they couldn't have them in there for testing. So it's kind of like going grad chapter pleasuring, I hate to say, but- They were it, able to do it, wow. Yeah, they, they don't, no, they don't have to do it. They don't have to take the test. So wow. your license is kind of like a factory, whatever. So now everyone has the license now, so. Wow. So yeah. So so for those who, who, who don't know who are listening to us, um, you help clients not just in the North Carolina market, but also in the South Carolina market, right? Yeah, um, right. what would you say is the biggest difference between between the two? Um, to be honest with you, I do do most of my work in North Carolina, maybe because I'm from here, but um the biggest difference as you're talking about the clients is really not nothing different with the market. But um, I won't go into depth in it, but to know just the gist of it is just the laws and how they get paid and stuff like that. Every state is different. And if you know anything about taking a real estate test, North Carolina is one of the hardest tests. We have the most rules. 
South Carolina is a little more laid back when it comes to the rules and things of that, um, things of that sort. But as far as the market, it's pretty much the same. Um, they don't have as many big cities as we do in North Carolina, but um, even though right at the border it's Rock Hill and Fort Mill, that's like our sub market of, you know, even though it's in it's in um, South Carolina, but a lot of people like I used to work when I was working in corporate, they were in South Carolina, they just drive to North Carolina. And their commute may be smaller than mine's being here in Charlotte. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So can, can you let us know from your perspective, what makes a property stay on the market um, longer or shorter? Okay. So right now it's the seller's market. So ain't too much staying on the market. And if it's staying on the market, it's, um, the main components that I know of from my experience, if a property is still on the market longer than what it what it should be, just an average home price, it's because the pictures aren't great. Um, staging also affects um, the house getting sold, the marketing piece, and most importantly, pricing. Um, right now, pricing is you can price it at something and right now the market is so, I gotta get this property, they go over the price. Don't even care if it's worth the value or not. Oh, if, if it appraised at, at $2 and you selling for five, I'm willing to pay the other $3 just to get the property. So that's how it is. But that's mainly the thing that, that keeps a, those are the main components that keep a property on the market. But biggest thing is pricing. Pricing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, what, what, so what's so many people wanting to purchase uh, properties and there's so little inventory, what could a buyer do in hopes to snatch something up before their, their competition? First, say a prayer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you. I had, um, actually, I, I just did a, a slight snippet video of this. I'm going to post it on my social media later, but cash is king. Um, closing quickly when you can close quickly that that's a great thing and um, some people are even waving if they can waving appraisal waving inspections want to close really quick um, it's if they're not getting along because you get along you have those are you know stipulation that you have to do but um, people are offering like ten thousand dollars in due diligence um, some is offering $30,000 over the asking price. It's just so many things because it's so aggressive out here <sighs> that it's hard. So the snippet I was just talking about, um, I got an email. I got a, My client wants to see a home on Saturday. And I always said, when I first got my client, I said, look, it's aggressive. And I'm aggressive. You got to be aggressive with me. I, I want to know how much money you got, how much you want to put down, because it's important for me to put you in the right position to get your contract accepted. I just got one accepted and it took us forever to get just some land because they had so many offers. But this one property that's on Saturday, we're still going to go see it. However, when you go for showing time, showing time is a thing to show, everything is unavailable. So I tell my client, look for coming soon. Do not look for ones that new on the market because you probably won't be in there to see it. They probably got offers on it, which is correct. So we, we scheduled one to see on Saturday. I got an email last night. We already have multiples offer on this site unseen. Oh. Um, but we're still going to do the showing, but our client is going to make a decision on Monday. Um, mind you, it don't come on the market to Saturday. 
our client's gonna make a decision on Monday and we're looking for the highest and best offer. So right there, it puts your client in a frenzy. It puts me in an annoying state, but that's just the way that it is. It's wow. Um, you were at, you were say, stating that some houses are going for 20, 30,000 over asking. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, what is the price range of the house that we, that would garner a $30,000 over asking price? What, what's the price range of these houses typically? It doesn't matter. Wow. It, I haven't seen like, oh, it's the 200s. No, I haven't seen. Oh, because I've seen in the 300s or things of that sort. Um, I tell my clients, if you don't want the stress of that to look for new build, because it's different when you see a home that's already there, you're going to go on multiple offers, you want to do all this and and that's where the stress comes at. But with new construction and other agents will tell you that it's much easier. You go in there if the lot's available. Well, I take that back. Well, all, all my new constructions, the lots have been available and then they just go ahead and get it. But some new builds even have waiting lists for people to get a lot. That's, that's not crazy. even, you know. <laughs> so do you have, you, you keep mentioning new build. Do you have a relationship with a developer that, that, um, that sort of kind of gives you some preference to no. bring to the table? No, it's so much out there, to be honest with you. Now, me personally, whenever I'm, even when I'm working with a different agent, I always build a report with them, even if they're kind of rah-rah. I mean, because I can get there too. However, professionally, mm -hmm. I want to have a good relationship with the other agent so that they can better help me out to get my client in. And that's kind of what happened with my last, uh, when I went into contract uh, this weekend. So with the builders, I am working on some things that, maybe before you even air this, I'll be licensed um, so that I do have a better relationship with builders um, because that is my goal to become one as well. So I do, I do personally, that's just me because I know where I'm going. I know my end goal. Mm -hmm. I try to have a better relationship with builders. And sometimes they'll tell them like, I have one friend, one person, she works with Eastwood and she's like, hey, well, we have this coming up. You have any clients? It's like, I don't right now. But if I, you know, I put the word out there and they got it. So yeah, that's pretty much what it is. But it's you don't really need to have no coots with nobody. The builders, it doesn't really benefit them because it's like a business out there. You mentioned that this is a this is a, a seller's market. Even with the the flux of the pandemic, and the and the the increase uh, anticipated increase of mortgage rates going up. Um, Help me, help me to understand the dynamics of the market there in North and South Carolina with all of those extenuating circumstances or factors weighing in on the um, real estate process. I say, um, we can say this North and South Carolina, but it's really everywhere. Um, you said it's anticipation that it's going up. It's already down. So people want those low, low rates mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the house. And for sellers right now, if they want to sell, get top dollar, even more than what their home is really worth, is they'll sell it now because they know it's low inventory. It's extremely low. They're definitely um, here in Charlotte. So like I said, it's a seller's market, period. Um, people, it's low. Pandemic didn't stop anything. Don't let people fool you. Pandemic did not stop anything. It may stop some showings, but other than that, it did mm -hmm. not stop people from buying and selling their home because- the great thing is that the interest rate went down extremely low. So 
that was more so motivation for them to do it. And let's talk about things outside the market. We were getting a bunch of stimulus checks. A lot of people was paying their stuff off. It was helping their credit get up, you know, different things of that sort. Mm-hmm. That they factors into people ready to get their stuff and buy. People can work from home now. They saving money, saving. It's a lot of different things. The factor that came into like, why not buy a home right now? Mm. Do you think that, that there'll be um, any issues for, let's say, a homeowner right now who sells their property and then now they have to go find somewhere to live or something like that? Do you think there'll be issues down the road for them? Yeah, some people, they don't. I have a friend we actually went to school with. Um, he saw, he fell in his house, he closed on his house. Um, not my client. We don't get on that. But he's closed on his house um, next week. However, he know he couldn't find a place that quick. So he decided to just get a lease. Some people have a contingent on, you can get this home once I find a home or once I close on my home and things of that sort. So it's kind of like, I want to say touch and go sometime, but like I said, if you, if you're trying to sell your home to get top dollar, this is the thing. And most people know this, the market goes up and it goes down. So sometimes the seller's right into buyer. Some people would just, whatever, I just rent to now. And then when it becomes a buyer, then it go back and buy again. But you still got that profit. And for me, I think that's smart. Um, but I can't tell people to do their funds. You know, they do what they do. But I feel like um, when they sell, if they don't have nothing lined up or maybe they're not getting married or whatever like that, then they're renting. They're just renting. And then just waiting for the market to change. And I do, I'm not a, a forecast real estate meteorologist or whatever but i do feel like it's gonna start panning out soon this don't take my word for it (laughs) but um it's it's that bad i do think it's gonna start panning out soon um because honestly these houses are selling way overpriced um it also affect the neighbors too. Don't nobody think about the neighbors because y'all selling this that and then it's gonna raise their tax value up you know and the home's not worth it. So it's so many things that dynamics pay that come into play with just buying one home. It affects so many things. And like he asked why I think they're buying is because so many other things had happened. Pandemic really worked out for a lot of people, despite what people are saying. It, it, it allowed a lot of people definitely in our community to get ahead or have the opportunity to get ahead, whether they took it or not, you know, mm-hmm. more opportunity to get their heads up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something that I'm, I'm concerned about is whenever they open the foreclosures, mm-hmm. I think for, let's say someone bought the property last month at the height of the market, mm-hmm. when they open up the foreclosures, there may be five people within his neighborhood, his neighborhood or their neighborhood that goes into foreclosure. And then that's purchased at half, you know, the, the value. And that could lower the value of that person's home too. They, they just bought. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, that's just kind of how the market goes. This ain't the first time this happened. You know, it happens when we was probably younger and not. <laughs> you know, we probably knew, but we didn't know. Right. <laughs> but say to say, that's just the cycle of the real estate cycle. Like, that's how I look at it. So right now, where buyers out there scrambling, it's going to be a time where sellers want to sell their house for dirt cheap. You know what I'm saying? Because they just want to sell it. You know, won't nobody want to buy. It's not enough buyers out there. So um, wish that happened. Okay, now this could be wrong, but I, when I was working in the mortgage, because I worked in mortgage, they said this happens every time we change presidency or something like that happened. Mm-hmm. So yep. when Obama came in, 
um, it was a buyer's market. Um, there were there were there were more inventory than this now. You know, it, everything switched. Jobs was um, jobs was lost and different things of that sort. So it just it just affects so many things. It's like a domino effect. And there's so much to even go into. Now, excuse me if I'm rambling because I know all these is coming to my family. A few things are coming out of my mouth that are popping in my head. But yeah, um, it's so many dynamics that come into this market. So where people are frantic right now, on the flip side, it's not going to be like that. Uh, I won't say soon because I'm not a guru, but you know, um, it's going to change. It, it just does. That's just how it happens. Yep. What do you so what sub markets do you think would be good for people who are looking to get into investment real estate? Okay, um, any big city that is growing, look at the little spots on the side because they grow. Um, like here, it's kind of too not too late, but you know. Um, so for Charlotte, you have Concord, um, that's from um, pretty nicely, and like I talked about, Fort Mill and Rock Hill. I would really say get in Fort Mill if you can but they're kind of like already there now but it would have been a good place to dig into because they're moving the, the um panthers um stadium over there too i didn't know that yeah so indian land is good they're going up but it's a good place and that's right by valentine i don't know if you know anything about charlotte but that's kind of the the affluent area one of the affluent areas here um in charlotte area one thing, this is not in my market, but since I do talk to people, I do think if people want to invest or build or something like that, I say Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Um, that is an area that is uh, coming up from what I've seen from other builders and contractors and stuff like that. It's like, well, I'm just get some land out there and hold it and stuff like that. But to figure out what's going to be the next big thing is so simple. If you got common sense, whatever city is growing, know them little places like around here, Huntersville, Gastonia. Here. Gastonia. Yeah, um, even for me, I, I like Belmont, but it's growing. Um, and that's in between Charlotte and Gastonia. These little places you don't know, but they're going to be coming, becoming these places where cash cows whatever <laughs> maybe the wrong termination but you know places like that so all these little places you don't really hear it but you know that they're there i say invest there because it's it's like a virus it spreads you know what i mean so yeah absolutely how does the single how does the single home market impact the multifamily market um, and would there be opportunities to buy apartment complexes in that area? Honestly, it's not really uh, available here. It's not too many um, multifamily units here available. Um, how it affects it, if me being honest, I really couldn't tell you because I haven't dealt with a lot of them. And on the flip side, it's just, there aren't that many. I had some people say, oh, I'm looking for, I have one of my line sisters, like, I'm looking for a multifamily, you know, because you can, even if you don't stay there, you know, you can say, oh, I live in apartment A, you know, that's my <laughs> stay all the way in Dallas or California or something like that, you know, just so you can get that owner occupy that first long time like that. But when we looked, it was just nothing out there because people, first of all, our generations are go-getters. So we already know, so we're already going to be on it. Um, 
there really is just really there aren't too many out there that I've seen and that are in, in good condition. I that's all I know about it. I wouldn't even see it the wrong way. But yeah. yeah. And and, I, and I'll say to anyone who's listening, uh, Alexa said something that was really important. You guys might want to rewind it. She basically mentioned the importance of looking for a multifamily and you can still get a smaller purchase or down payment if it's through FHA and they allow you to live in, let's say it's a four unit, live in one unit, and then you can qualify by using other three units to buy that, buy that building. And if I'm being, well, I'm going to just leave it at that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, but it's good. I, I've done it. I've done it myself. So <laughs> you can live in one unit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it though for myself. That, that, that's how I got started. Got but, you. but Charlotte does not have a lot of multifamily much no. like the northern part of the East Coast. There's a lot of multifamily duplexes, triplexes, but Charlotte does not have a lot. But people have a mindset to build them. I was talking with one of my friends who's a general contractor and he's like, oh, I'm building this up. This multifamily unit is going to be in Kannapolis. Kannapolis is another sub. Out. So, yeah. And it's like Salisbury, it's in between Salisbury as well. Salisbury is kind of big. I go there a lot because of course I'm a veteran. It's the VA hospital over there. But it's not like a Charlotte. It's not a Charlotte, you know, but yeah, that's the same. It's an Apples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an Apples. So we, 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 live, we live in Indianapolis, so we get it, you know, outside of Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, you get it. You make it work for you. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we have a question uh, for you. Tell us your thoughts on leaving corporate America and following your dreams, pursuing your dreams. Um, keep it honey with you. Um, I always knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur and I wouldn't say follow your dreams. It not, 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 not to nobody not to follow dreams, but it wasn't a, oh, I'm going to follow my dreams type move. It was just me, my mentality. Um, I don't mind being told what to do, but you know what I'm saying? So for me in corporate, to me, it was like modern day slavery, just to be honest with you. Um, you work really hard and definitely as a woman, as a black woman, I work really, really hard. And I work in mortgage, I process loans in production. Here I am working hard, getting this amount of pay. And you know, it's the reason why HR tell you, do not discuss your pay. It's against HR to discuss your pay because they do not want you to blatantly know the discrimination in it. And that's just my opinion on it. There was a counterpart, he was Caucasian. Uh, he came in after me and they taught him the job because he had no experience. However, he's getting more than me. However, I'm, I am pumping him out. I am producing more than him. So mentally, I couldn't grasp that. And I know this world is not really fair set up for certain people. However, I could not fathom it. So um, this was in 2017. Um, like I said, when the presidency changed, things changed. My job did layoffs. And they did layoffs like in sectors, so it won't be that this big company did like this really big layoff or whatever. Try to be slick, but yep. I had already had my stuff packed. <laughs> um, I had like nothing in my dresser drawer. Um, the loans was getting low. We kind of already knew, but I already had my stuff packed. So when they they was like calling us like, oh, we're gonna, I think when I left, it was like a group of like maybe 90 of us at the time maybe 90 or 30. So it was, it was a lot. Either way, it was a big that this company um, let go. People were in there crying and I felt wow. bad for them because I'm like, dang, that's a livelihood. However, 
I was like, I got the rest of the day off. <laughs> okay. Because being there was mentally draining. It was mentally draining because I know when I'm great. And I didn't want to keep building someone else's dream that did not even value my time and my talent that I put into that. So even though I was getting less money, I was much happier because I was less stressed. You know, um, corporate is just a different ball playing. And then it's the politics, you know, and you know, I think I just said something to a group of my friends, you know, that I did work with that I was cool because I don't be friends with people with coworkers, like definitely on social media. We had a, a session where they called us into a room and they were saying, you all are doing this right here. You're getting these returned back. And I'm just seeing looking like these are people that don't do the job. People that don't do the job try to tell you what you're doing wrong, but they don't know how this process go. Mm, like, mm, they mm. thought we was in there. They thought they was going to tell us something. And they left that meeting mad. I mean, mad. Okay. And then they was like, well, just don't, the whole purpose of the meeting was just dismissed because we had some smart people and there's some smart people like us in there too. Like, you can't tell us about the job. You don't know what to do. If we haven't too many touches on it, make sure that the underwriter is sending back the right conditions. So that we don't have to go back. We do everything you say, oh, we need this too. Make sure they're right because you have to see what the turnarounds are for. You know, so when people don't know the job and they try to tell you, people are project managers without a with a without a project management certification. You know, I have a degree, you are here with your associate's degree, trying to tell me what to do and you have minimal common sense. It just didn't work for me personally. So I left out and I did I just vowed not to go back. Do, during the process of your maturation, were, were, there, were there books that you read or people that you listened to or followed that gave you the spark that, to know that, that uh, you could do something different and, and that you would be okay? Um, I'm the spark. I can't depend. I mean, I'm just, Besides you. Honestly, I would say no, because everybody else's journey is different. If you know that you want to do something, sorry. I don't know if y'all can hear that. Okay. Sorry. Someone was trying to say something. Uh, I don't take for a second. Huh? second was, was, that, was, that, was, was that our hint to cut it short? Oh, no, no, no. They can wait. Anyhow, um, <laughs> no, the reason why I say that because just, I mean, we had conversations before this and you kind of know like where my mindset goes. Mm -hmm. I know my end goal and I do understand that I cannot depend my motivation my determination or whether I go left or right on other people, even if they have a motivation speech, like you, people out there, uh, I can't think of his name. Eric Thomas. No. <laughs> Tony <laughs> Robbins. Yeah, it's, well him too, he's awesome. Cause he curses and I curse a lot too. But <laughs> the thing is <laughs> people will say, oh, you can go out there and do this and third, but you don't know that backstory. Some people out here that are millionaires or whatever, you think they got it just by, doing movies they don't tell you about the bank real estate that they invested in to get where they are so you thinking like oh if i just go be a basketball player or just go be a movie star i'm gonna get there so they can have words that are encouragement it's good for the moment like mm, i may have needed that push but at the end of the day i know where i want to be i know where i came from uh -huh. and because i am exposed and i see other great things i know there's stuff that are bigger than what i grew up in and what my environment is. so my spark is literally me 
because I know what I want. And if you depend on, I think the guy that brought Doja Corn up, he said that if you, what's your motivation or whatever, if, you, if you're looking for other people for motivation, you're never going to get there. And it's like your happiness. If you depend your happiness on someone else, they control your happiness. So I don't want nobody to control my destiny or anything of that sort. So literally I am that spark because I didn't want to be mentally drained. I didn't want to be living paycheck to paycheck and I don't want to be living mediocre. Okay. I've been poor. I've been broke. I've been there. Cool. And I got up out of it. However, I know that there's more. So my higher self that I see myself is my motivation. That's awesome. That's awesome. For, for those who are listening, what would you say that you use to continue to, to feed that or fuel or to grow that spark? Um, it's perception. It's, it's how you look at everything. And you have to have gratitude in everything, even when the things are not good. So things can happen. And wow, this is so sorry. It's a sale. It's a sale. <laughs> Somebody never is not even saved. But um, <laughs> but back to the question. Um, give me a moment because I be trying to get my train of thought that happened. Um, what was the question again? I apologize. How, how do you continue to feed that spark? Yeah. Oh, gratitude, gratitude. You have to have gratitude when things bad things happen, and just growing up, a lot of bad things have happened. But I always start to see the good in it, and that just it really helps my mental. So some things happen like, like when a job ended, people were sad and, and that, that negative energy feeds off and other, more negative things happen. However, I looked at it like, wow, I have more time to spend with my child, less gas. Um, but mentally I can decompress and focus on different things. I'll be able to create, cause I do have another business. And although I was just doing an order here and there, you know, eventually, I put my energy into that and that grew, you know, but anything, something bad happened to you, you got to look at it as a lesson and not like an L. It's not really a loss. And if it was something you wanted, it really wasn't for you and you was really denied for a reason. So, and I honestly, I feel like when the job did do layoffs, it was my push. Cause like, you know how we do, we getting stuff like, okay, after I get this amount of money, I'm going to quit my job and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're two at the week. <laughs> so um, that was my, that was more so my push because um, I try not to live out of scarcity. I don't want to live out of scarcity, you know, saving. I got to save all this money because I'm scared something's going to happen. I spend it, okay? And the money comes back to me. Like I told y'all before, you can get money back, but you can't get time back. Never. So you don't want your years to go and you wasted it. You didn't enjoy life, you know? That, that's a that's a really good mindset to have um can you tell us also i don't want to forget, forget about this can you tell us also about your passion for art oh um my guy giving talent is creation so i am extremely creative i do have a um i do have an art business it's called kiss the artist now um i've always can draw really good and paint really good but my thing is i get to attach to my paintings. So I started to do <laughs> A true artist. <laughs> yeah, you'll starve. <laughs> a true artist. I'm like, heck no, I'm not selling that. <laughs> in my house, you come in, there's like a whole gallery everywhere. But I did something that I could 
use to bless other people with because I do know when you see something beautiful, it changes your vibration. And if you know I'm a spiritual person as well. So um, I love art. Um, I love to be creative. But I say my gift is the gift of creation because I do other things that are creative, not just artwork, you know. Um, I can do hair. I cook. I cook really well, like really good. I would cook your grandma and auntie up under the table. And yeah. <laughs> um, so like I said, my gift is the gift of creation. I make furniture, you know, when I'm bored. Oh, okay. I, I rap. I do rings. I make jewelry. What I do, like whatever it is, I do. Cause who, excuse me. Who are you? I told you. She's, I she's Picasso re-embodied. <laughs> but no, no, she's the Energizer Bunny. She, she's, she's multi-talented. Multi-dimensional. And the question, you know, and again, I, and, you know, and uh, earlier I asked the question about who have you read that sort of gave you the impetus to do what you're doing, but you're being so philosophical, pragmatic, practical. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm <laughs> not. No, I got you. No, you told me this earlier about me. You asked me, who are you? Well, I didn't mind on another conversation. But it's the idea that, uh, again, you just seem to be far wiser than your years. So if if there isn't someone or something, someone that you're talking to to give you guidance or something that you've read to give you guidance, then all of this is being being marinated in self and it's you know i'm just sitting here basically bl blown away by the passion the energy the the determination the success how do you wrap all that into your day with a child well um, another thing you said one word you said is self like, you know, I literally know self. And it took me having to sit down, be still, be in solitude, uh, understand me. Now, we all, whatever people's beliefs are, but this is mine. We all come here equipped with certain tools and preferably from a past life. However, I felt like I came here with the correct tools to navigate through this world. And yes, I have a child. And for her, if you have a, a conversation with my child, I've, I've never heard different. Even when she was like young, well, she's six now with four, she's having a conversation, conversation. They'd be like, she speaks so intelligently. Like she have a really good, I'm like, when the little girl told me she was baffled the other day, I'm just like, first of all, <laughs> I didn't learn that word until I got to be an adult. But I do know that I am her first person, her role model. And the fact that I got the opportunity to guide her through this world, at least mm -hmm. to give her a foundation, is a job that I really take seriously. I love being a mom. I want more kids. I love being a mom. But to know that I am grooming a future goddess, a future leader, that means a lot to me. Okay. Because what's what's worth what you know if you don't teach it to other people and better yet the younger generations that are going to carry carry y'all over when we can't do it you know mm -hmm. so um yeah the 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 spark it really comes from within you know okay uh, that that's you know again that's 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 amazing only because there's so many people who have talent who have energy who have coaches and mentors 
and they're still in neutral. And some of them are so afraid of taking the chance on themselves that they never really get out the front door figuratively. But that's scarcity and people and the fear, people are, they, they fear failure. But like people always say, you can find us on a quote on Instagram, failure think, is a part of success. Do you think some people fear success? Yes. Okay. Okay. I do. Okay. That's because I had moments where I feared it. Um, taking on the exact the anxiety. I know what type of person I am. Mm -hmm. If I got an order, I gotta hurry up and do it. I put the pressure on myself where other people don't do it. So since I know I put pressure on myself, I fear that mental breakdown. It's different dynamics of it. You know, people do want to be successful. Sometimes people don't, they don't want to do the work. And I get it because it's not easy, but who says it's hard either? It's not really that hard. Once you do it and go through the ranks, it's only hard. People fear things they don't know. It's just like something simple, like people don't know how to start an LLC. And they're like, well, I don't know how to do it. They pay people all this money to do it. And here in North Carolina, it costs you $125 and it takes you like 15 minutes. You know, so all this build up that. <laughs> in your mind before you even get started, that's where you get defeated. It's mental. So if I didn't get my mental right and had to be in self and know who I am, and that's just what people come in my life too. Like I tell people like, you have to treat me a certain way. I'm not trying to, I'm not being bougie and I'm like on you, but I know how I move. I know I'm going to treat you with respect too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm open and honest. I feel it's important to communicate. I don't want to leave nobody out here assuming because when you assume you make a, you know what, out of yourself. <laughs> so I just feel like it's important that when I have people come in my space to know what I require as a human being, okay. you know, and then to know what you require most time. People don't know what they require. They don't know. They, they, they don't know self either. Or companionship. They want to boo. There you go. Do you find that oftentimes people are focusing on the cost of something rather than the 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 initial cost versus the the outcome or the reward on the other end? They yeah. See the, they see the cost as a as a hurdle. And about, well, I can't afford that. Or I'm not willing to do X, Y, Z, which says that you are then comfortable in your discomfort. You are ordinary without realizing that you're just ordinary. Mm -hmm. um, my grandma always say it's plenty of ways to skin a cat. So if you don't have the money now, work on the things that don't really require the money and to build up to that. The reason why I say that because mm -hmm. I had a conversation with another lady about another project that I'm working on with my business and, you know, getting things out there in the stores. And she was talking to me and she was kind of trading lightly. She said, I'm going to go ahead and let you know something happened. And they were like, oh, you need $10,000. You know, it's kind of like, you got to be ready. I'm just saying, looking like, she didn't do this like two or three times. I'm like, ma'am, with all due respect, if I need the money, if I got $2 in my account, I already prayed and I have people surrounded by me that if I need money, that money's there. Cause mm -hmm. I have people around me that do believe in me. So if I say, if I call my friend, like I need $15,000 for this right here, got you. Because I did pray for people like that. I don't want to be around broke mindset people. I'm not talking about broke people, but if your mindset is broke, then that's your outcome going to be pretty much. But 
I had to say, I feel different about money now. Money is money is something that comes, money loves me. It comes to me. That's what I say. When I need it, it's going to come some way, somehow. And I just believe that. That's just my beliefs. And people can say, oh, that's really not true. It's whatever. However, look at me. I'm good right now. <laughs> Reverend Ike, I dig it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Alexis, um, before we wrap up, what's the one thing you want people who are listening or watching this to, to take home? Um, don't conform to anyone's limited beliefs. You know, um, you can literally do what you want to do. I'm not just saying it to be, you know, like I said, a meme or something like that, but literally people will put their limited beliefs on you so that you can believe them. Watch your surroundings, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're the smartest person in the room. You are in the wrong room because you can only go as high as you can. You know what I mean? I like to be a student. I like to have friends and people that are in business that are that know more than me because they're going to carry you. Some people that are, most people that are older, like our elder, not elder elders, but you know, our older people, they want to pull you up because they see, oh, I see this young lady. She's 31. She's doing this. Let me help her out. Let me invest in her, you know? And then it's going to be our job. We went to pull these other people up as well. And it's not a crab in a bucket barrel. It's we literally helping people out. But most importantly, y'all, do not put nobody limited beliefs on you. People say you can't do it. That's okay. Like I tell you, I don't announce the move until I'm saying checkmate. Because I don't need nobody negative energy on what I'm trying to do, you know. So yeah. if it's something you want to do, your mama, your daddy, your cousin saying, oh, you can't do it. You this and that and third. Trust me, it's plenty of examples out there that showed you like I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 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 Wow. Powerful. On that note, I think that's that's a wrap. All all the links for Alexis and her and her businesses will be in the descriptions. So please check that check it out as well. And until next time. Appreciate y'all. Thank, Thank you, you, ma'am. It's a pleasure. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Leland Baptist here. And if you're looking to add investments to your portfolio, maybe something outside of the stock market, something you can put your hands on. That could be an established business. It can also be uh, investment real estate, okay? But you're having trouble because maybe you need a team. You're realizing that you can't do it all on your own. You need people to help you with the analysis, the acquisition, the strategies, the capital raising. Heck, you just need help, right? Well, if that's the case, you're in luck. We have a program in a group called Asset Builders Club. Asset Builders Club or ABC. And if this sounds like something that has great interest for you, then all you have to do is this. Go to assets2freedom.com. That is assets2freedom.com. A-S-S-E-T-S, the number two, freedom.com. And we'll see you on the inside. Hey, if you like the idea of gaining wealth, adding to your portfolio, and also protecting what you have, then I have a great treat for you. 
I'm going to give you a free guide and ebook that you can use that will show you to protect what you have. All you have to do is go to LelandBaptist.net forward slash 35. That's LelandBaptist.net forward slash 35. And protect what you have.